The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. We are in our fifth week of our study through the book of Philippians. We are not going anywhere quickly, but we are going to cover more verses today than we have any other week in the past. But I want to remind you that this book, it is a book that teaches us how to find joy, how to see the peace of God that will lead to this resounding joy, this joy that takes us beyond our circumstances. And today, Paul's passage, it's so fitting because he's talking about his current circumstance, which I don't think any of us would really love that circumstance. He's in prison, but he's saying, hey, guess what? There's still great things happening. And I don't use this term a whole lot in my life, but the idea of a silver lining, that there's always something good, even when it appears to be really bad. I think that's what Paul is trying to get us to understand, that even when you think all the wheels have fallen off, there is still something that God is doing. And I believe this because God has promised us this, that if we love him and live for his purposes, he's always going to work for our good. And there's always going to be a silver lining somewhere within our circumstance and with where we're at as a, as a nation, where we're at as a people, with a pandemic, with, with racial injustice, with all, all that's going on in our world, our circumstances definitely look a little different than they did three months ago. But how do we find the hope? How do we find the joy in our current circumstances? I think we can learn from Paul how to see that silver lining. And we see this in Philippians chapter one, starting in verse 12. It says this, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Me being in chains is actually becoming a good thing. The gospel, my mission to take the good news to the world, it is still happening even though I'm under arrest. I see this as something that I can rejoice in. Paul talks about his circumstances all throughout this letter, but he rejoices knowing that his purpose, the purpose that God gave him, he is able to still fulfill it even though, even though he's in chains even though I know this would not be his first choice. He's choosing to see ways to find silver linings and to advance the gospel, even though he's under arrest. How does he do this? Well, first of all, he's still able to influence people. Just because he's in prison doesn't mean he's in isolation. His imprisonment in Rome is quite unique. We'll see that here in a few moments, but he's still able to influence people. Verse 13, as a result of me being in chains, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. The whole palace guard, that's the emperor's private guard. They were used to protect and to look over high value prisoners. And so Paul has the elite of the elite that are watching over him. And he sees this as a great opportunity because in the two years that he's in prison, each week or each day, I don't know how the rotation works, he gets a new guard and what's he gonna do with that guard? Hey, what's your name? What's your family? Talk to me about you. Oh, have you ever heard of this guy, Jesus? Yes, Yeah. no, maybe. Okay, let me tell you about him. Let me tell you about what he did for you. Let me tell you about his power. Let me tell you about how he can radically transform your life. 
And Paul says, I'm just thrilled right now because as a result of me being in chains, it's become clear to the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm for Jesus. What a great way to take a poor circumstance and do something awesome with it. Was Paul free? No, no, he he wasn't free to do whatever he wanted, but he knew how to make the best out of a bad situation. Acts 28 verse 16 tells us a little bit about the imprisonment. When Paul got to Rome, and it took him all, he got shipwrecked and a whole bunch of crazy stuff happened. But when Paul got to Rome, he was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him, one of those imperial guards. He's under house arrest. He's not in a cell stuck away in some dungeon. He has the opportunity for visitors to come to him. Acts 28, verses 30 and 31. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented home, which is kind of interesting. You're in prison, but you got to rent your own home. He's in his own rented home, and he he welcomed all who came to see him, all of his visitors. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus with all boldness and without hindrance. How interesting what Luke writes there in the book of Acts. Without hindrance, he's in prison, yet he's still getting to do what God called him to do. He's making the best of the situation. In Philippians chapter four, verse 22, as Paul's wrapping up this letter, we actually see that he's being very fruitful, that at least some of these visitors, some of these guards are coming to know the Lord. Philippians four, verse 22, it says, all God's people here in Rome send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. So why would these guards, why would the people in the emperor's palace, why would they want to send greetings to a church 800 miles away? Because they're brothers and sisters now. Because through these two years, as Paul has shared the gospel every day and in every circumstance, as this has happened, people have come to know the Lord and they are now family. And they send their greetings back to the church in Philippi. There's another minor silver lining in this two-year imprisonment. It was during this two years that Paul got to write Ephesians and Colossians and Philemon and maybe even 2 Timothy. Two years of writing that comprise a huge chunk of the New Testament that we read today. He didn't waste the opportunity. He found the silver lining that existed. Verse 14 gives us another silver lining. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Something powerful happens when we as people who might be afraid see an example of how life can be different. We see that Paul is so encouraged Because those who initially came to him timid saying, you're in chains, what are you doing? He's like, no, I'm actually getting to proclaim the gospel. I'm I'm doing things that you're not doing, so go and do them. And they go, what's keeping me from doing it? What's my excuse? And this doesn't have to be just with sharing the gospel. And I, I don't, to make it very simple, you're afraid to jump off the high dive. You see someone younger than you do it, and all of a sudden you're not as afraid anymore. There's power in an example. When I was in 
youth ministry in Poto, Oklahoma. Uh, one of the things that we did, there was a book called Conspiracy of Kindness. It just challenged you to go do simple acts of kindness. And so one of the things we did on a hot summer day is I got the youth group together on a Sunday night and, and we got ice cold bottles of water and Coke and we went and set up at the main street because Poto, it's got a main street. Went and set up at the main street and anytime the light would turn red, we'd just walk out and say, hey, do you want, do you want something to drink? And they'd be like, well, this is weird. Are you selling it for a fundraiser? What are you doing? And we're like, no, we're just doing this to show you that God loves you. And then I instructed my teenagers in the youth group. I was like, hey, when someone engages in a conversation, that is your opportunity. That is your opportunity to engage with them and to share the good news of Jesus. And a bunch of 14, 15, 16, 17 year olds, they were not super pumped about this youth group activity. They're all about ping pong, but sharing the gospel with cold bottles of water was not really in their wheelhouse until the first young man had an opportunity to see someone take the Coke, literally pull into the bank parking lot, and they got to talk to one another. And he ended up getting to pray with this person. And that one example then spurred the others on. Hey, what am I afraid of? Look at this. I'm, I'm literally just walking up and trying to hand someone a Coke. It's not that scary. I'm letting them know that God loves them. This, this is something that shouldn't make me afraid. And Paul's rejoicing in verse 14 because my chains have made the brothers and the sisters more bold. They're proclaiming more and more the good news. The most crazy silver lining though in this entire passage that comes in the last few verses, verses 15 through 18. Talk about a hard place to find a silver lining, but Paul does, verses 15 through 18. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter, the ones who do it out of goodwill, they do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. I was arrested and put here simply for proclaiming Jesus. The former, those who do so selfishly, they preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But hey, what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Paul's in prison in Rome because years earlier in Jerusalem, he offended the wrong religious leaders. He was proclaiming the good news of Jesus and he was saying that people needed to be saved by faith through grace and the religious leaders in Jerusalem, some of which he was colleagues with years earlier, they said, you've got to go. They wanted to murder him. In fact, they pulled him into a room. You can read about this in Acts 21 and they, and they tried to beat him to death, but then the Roman guards came in and stopped that and said, what's going on? And Paul had two different trials, King Agrippa, Governor Felix, but Paul's a Roman citizen. So he appeals to the emperor. A Roman citizen can do this. And that's what led him to Rome and to prison. But his crime, mark it, his crime was preaching the gospel. And so what's happening now in Rome is there's probably some religious leaders who can't stand the fact that Paul is still being successful even though he's in prison. And so what they're doing is they're sending out people into the streets to preach the gospel, but they're doing so for selfish reasons. They're doing so to try and stir up trouble. Their hope is this, that the Roman government will get sick of this Jesus character. 
We'll get sick of this guy that some people are calling a king. We'll get sick of this person that's causing transformation within their community. Maybe something they're not really wanting to see. So you have people on one corner who are truly devout disciples that are preaching the gospel out of love. And you have someone on the other corner who's preaching the same gospel, but it's doing so in hopes of hurting Paul. And Paul goes, what does it matter? What does it matter? Jesus is being preached. Hallelujah. Amen. It's all good. Their motives are wrong, but Jesus' name is going forward. And that is my purpose. That is my life. That is my greatest joy. So if they stir up trouble for me, so be it. The gospel is being preached. How do you rejoice when people are trying to cause you harm? How do you do that? For Paul, it all came down to understanding what was best. And in Paul's mind, what was best was Jesus and his name being proclaimed and his transforming power, being able to wash over people. He summarizes it like this in 1 Corinthians 2, verse two. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. All the other circumstances, all the other stuff, all I want is Jesus and him crucified. All I want is his sacrificial love. If that's going forward, then I'm good. When we get to Philippians chapter four and Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He's saying, I can live through all circumstances, chains or free, wealthy or poor, I can live through all of them because of Jesus Christ, because he is my all and he is what's best. And church today, that's how we need to think if we want to be able to rejoice in all circumstances, if we want to be able to find the silver lining, even in things like this, where people are trying to attack us, when they're trying to harm us. Maybe you feel that. But the greatest joy, the joy that caused Paul to say, I will continue to rejoice, it's Jesus. He knew that and he lived that and it was powerful. So maybe you don't have the best family or maybe you have the greatest one in the world. Maybe you don't have the best job or maybe you have the best one in the world. Maybe your health isn't that great or maybe you're as healthy as an ox. Maybe your life is in shambles or maybe it seems to be going better than ever. How do you rejoice? How do you find the silver lining in all circumstances? The answer is Jesus. And the band's gonna come back up now to to lead us in responsive worship. And one of the the best things that we can do as people is to rejoice in God, even when we don't feel like it, even when it's hard, even when we feel like our circumstances have placed too large of an obstacle in front of us to possibly worship God. If you were to choose today, even in the midst of maybe horrific circumstances, if you were to choose today to rejoice, to worship, I promise you this, I promise you, that circumstance that you're walking through, whatever it may be, 
it will begin to feel lighter. It will begin to pale in comparison to the strength and the love and the mercy of God, the one that you're choosing to rejoice in. How do you rejoice in all circumstances? You know that Jesus is better than all circumstances. So even if you have a crummy job, even if you have a crummy family, even if you have no money, Jesus is not only a solution and an answer to your bad situations. He's the greatest thing that you can have. So I would just, I would pray today, church, that you would choose like Paul to find the silver lining, to rejoice even when you don't feel like it, to look and to see, hey, I'm in chains, but I'm still getting to do what God called me to do. Hey, actually, people are being encouraged by this. I, I, I wouldn't have seen that happening. That, that's cool. Yeah, there's people out there trying to harm me, but God's still being exalted. The gospel's still being proclaimed. It might be hard for you to process this and, and apply this to your family, to your life, to your finances, but if you take the time to see that Jesus is what's best, I promise the crummiest of circumstances have a silver lining because that silver lining is Jesus. Father, I pray today in your name that you would allow us as your loved people to feel that love and to know that regardless of our circumstance, you are in control, that Jesus is enough. He is what's best. And God, that because of that truth and because of the faith that your grace affords us, we would be able to rejoice. We would say it again, rejoice in you, God. And even in the circumstance you put us in, regardless of what we, whether we want to be there or not, help us, Jesus. Help us to love you more. Help us to rejoice in you. So in your name we pray. Amen. Church, today as you respond, respond because God loves you so much. He loves you so much. And regardless of your circumstance, because of him, you can rejoice. Let's do so now.